Welcome to the Leader Byte Podcast, hosted by Chester Goat. Bite-sized conversations about leadership, learning, and life. Any topic is fair game here, because committed leaders bring it all to the table. Here's your host, Chester Goad. Hey, everybody. This is part two to our story on leading in the midst of... Yesterday, we spoke with Vice President of SEND and with Southern Baptist Disaster Relief uh, Executive Director Mickey Kaysen, who are leading efforts uh, in their position. Possible, but today we have Bill Fogarty. He's a volunteer who runs one of the feeding sites in North Carolina currently and has been a part of several efforts working with Hurricane Matthew efforts. And I guess we could say he's boots on the ground on site providing leadership to fellow volunteers who are the literal hands and feet serving God and serving people there. Welcome, Bill. I'm honored to know you. I'm thankful you're willing to spend time with me, and I know you're very busy, so we don't want to keep you. Well, thank you for the opportunity to share about what God is doing. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Um, a, a little statistic I saw um, yesterday is that in just Hurricane Matthew alone, the SEND relief uh, through the Southern Baptist Disaster Relief efforts, looks like um, 634,000 meals have already been prepared, 153 cleanup jobs, 7,300 showers have been provided, uh, 2,593 loads of laundry have been done. And people don't really think about the those kind of things, uh, but I, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to a volunteer who is on the ground uh, helping out. So how long have you been a volunteer, and how did that come about for you? Well, I, I started with Hurricane Katrina in 2005. I was a pastor minding my own business, sitting at my desk, and got a postcard from North Carolina Baptist Men saying that they had volunteers working in Mississippi and Louisiana in response to Hurricane Katrina. Uh, I've been a law enforcement chaplain for 18 years, and at that time was uh, very involved in law enforcement chaplaincy as well as a full-time pastor, and uh, have a lot of training in dealing with critical incident stress management. So when I got that postcard, it it captured my attention and gave me a sense of uh, this is a place where I could serve. Wow. Wow. I went, uh, went, I, I called back on the to the number on the card and got a voicemail and got a call back that said, can you be ready to go in two days? And <laughs> so uh, I was on my way to Gulfport, Mississippi. I spent 10, 10 days the first trip out and then came back and uh, was hooked. I've been going ever since. Uh, led my church to get involved and went back to Gulfport uh, to respond to Hurricane Katrina probably five times. Wow, that is amazing. You know, uh, I understand, you know, from, from you know, I th- uh, talked to some folks and they said that you've been, you've really served in a lot of relief efforts. Um, so that's, that's a, that's quite a start to start with Katrina because that was one major disaster. So you've got a lot of experience through that, I'm sure. Uh, I did. And I've, I've been to Oklahoma for the uh, tornadoes in Moore, Oklahoma, been to Uh, Hurricane Sandy up in New Jersey, Uh, went to West Virginia in the floods recently, I've been to Baton Rouge, Louisiana for their floods, Uh, been out uh, to a number of places, mostly in response to hurricane and flooding. Okay. Well, how did you get involved specifically with Hurricane Matthew? Was that from a phone call or were you just watching and, and decided to go? How'd that work? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. From my initial response as a chaplaincy volunteer with North Carolina Baptist Men, I have taken additional training uh, along the way. And uh, this past April, um, I moved into a role as state ministry coordinator for disaster relief for North Carolina Baptist Men. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Uh, so um, 
my my involvement is uh, is very much uh, at the the leadership level. I have uh, 14 teams that work under the supervision I give, and it's just been incredible to see how people will make the sacrifice for others in the midst of need. Absolutely. I understand that you took a few days off. Uh, for those who are listening, how how important is it for volunteers to take some time to get away, and how do you know when it's time to do that? Well, it, it is important. You, your body and your, your mind can only take so much stress in the midst of it, so it, it's important to refresh. Uh, my circumstances are that I'm, I'm an interim pastor currently, and so I've taken the, the weekends off so I can go back home and preach and then come back out again and, and start over and uh, uh, try to make a difference. So this is actually, uh, I think we've been at it uh, four and a half weeks now, and I've been out uh, four of those four and a half. Wow. Yeah, I was talking to the gentleman yesterday, and we were talking about, or I had mentioned, how it seems like, you know, you hear these disasters on the news, and they go through a news cycle, and people tend to either forget about them or out of sight, out of mind, but there are people still working for long periods of time, so uh, we appreciate that that work that you're doing. Let me ask you, when um, can you describe for me when you first drove up uh, to the devastation in Hurricane Matthew, what did you see? Well, I, I honestly didn't see a great deal of disaster uh, in that sense because I was moving to a kitchen site to help set up a, a mm. kitchen in uh, Rocky Mount. There was uh, there was some flooding in Rocky Mount that uh, just covered roads and so forth, uh, but. Uh, you know, the damage is much more intense as you get closer to where the rivers have overgone their banks and so forth. It, it's overwhelming. I, I can just tell you from, from the experiences I've had, when you see the, the debris that's moved to the street from mud outs uh, because of flooding, it, it's, it's an unbelievable sight to see when you recognize it represents uh, that these people who have the debris piles in front of their houses have basically lost everything, mm. and uh, they're starting over. Uh, they're trying to figure out how will they move on with life. It's uh, it's it's pretty devastating to think about the human suffering that comes from these kinds of things. Well, that brings me to the next question because I know when devastating life circumstances happen, it's easy to look around and see all the infrastructure and the buildings and the landscape changes. But for me, I would think it would be even harder to see those families and meet those families and to in the lives of those who've been altered through it. We see the pictures of you know all those landscapes and things, but we only get brief glimpses of people. And those of you who are on the ground helping people and feeding people and hopefully building relationships with people. What do you want to say about the people, the people who live through these circumstances? Well, the main thing I can tell you is people are very resilient mm. um, and uh, they appreciate folks who demonstrate genuine compassion and concern. Uh, my primary role in disaster relief has been as a chaplain. Okay. And uh, so I, I get to talk to people in the midst of their hurt and listen to their stories and uh, sometimes I cry with them. Sometimes I laugh with them. But more than anything else, it's just the privilege to share God's love with them and to recognize that uh, He is a source of hope for everyone who believes. Mm. And uh, to share that source of hope to folks who are not believers is also a great privilege as well. 
Sure. And hope is so important. You know, I, I spoke to David and Mickey yesterday, um, and one of my questions was about leadership in the time of ugliness or leading in the midst of devastation. And I asked them about the challenges and priorities. They talked about keeping focused, staying on mission. They talked about being engaged and equipping volunteers who are on the ground in these places like where you are in North Carolina. Um, I believe one of them said making sure those who want to serve and have those gifts have the opportunities to do so. And I, I love that. So my question for you, though, as someone who is on the ground, who is on site, you've got these 14 sites that you're that you're helping with, that you're leading, working day in and day out, connecting volunteers and leading a site where the mission is feeding and providing for people. What is what is the challenge of leadership in a volunteer effort that's actually on the ground? Well, you know, I, I would have to say that it's not the challenge, it's the inspiration. Mm, okay. Uh, you know, we, we're an all-volunteer army, if you will. Mm-hmm. There, there's nobody who gets paid to come and do the work that they do. And, and we've got folks who are doing incredible things, from preparing the meals. We've got folks who volunteer washing the laundry for our volunteers who come and get into the grubby, dirty stuff. Sure. And we've got folks who are working to provide the shower units and keep those clean so folks get showers. And we've got chaplaincy volunteers. And then... It takes an incredible number of folks just to run an operation, doing the logistics and the administration, uh, the maintenance, and all of that that goes on. So it's it's just a, a, an inspirational experience for me to look and see how many people are willing to make the sacrifice uh, to leave their comfort of their own home and then to go into a place. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of folks sleeping in, our volunteers sleeping in gymnasiums and Sunday school mm-hmm. classrooms and in large groups and in small groups, and it it's very much different than uh, than the comforts of home, yeah. and uh, it's just uh, incredibly inspirational to me. I think about what Jesus said. He said, uh, "If anyone wishes to be great, mm. he must be the servant of all." And and what uh, has been my takeaway, especially in Hurricane Matthew, is that I'm working with some of the greatest people in the world That's uh, awesome. by Jesus's definition. Yeah. Well, I, I'm learning more and more um, the value and the just the the great feeling and satisfaction that comes from helping people help other people. I love that. Um, can you tell me if someone is sitting at home and they're thinking, "Oh, I think I might like to do that. I just don't know that I can do that." What sort of advice would you give them? There is always something that somebody can do. I mean, they may not physically be able to do some of the labor-intensive kinds of things, but folks can always pray, Mm -hmm. and they they can always give to support the work. Mm -hmm. Um, The going is is certainly uh, a needed uh, experience. We need the folks who can be hands and feet, who can uh, do the work to, to clean out the mud and to take out the debris and to do that kind of thing or to prepare the meals. But uh, there, there's a way for, for folks who, uh, who have compassion that they can make a difference by, by simply doing what they can. And uh, that that's something the Lord will reveal to everyone. Sure. Everybody just jumping in and doing their part and using their gifts. Uh, so important. Um, what do you think, um, what, what sort of person... Um, comes out and and does this out like who do you see mostly is it mostly people who have retired or is it a lot of emergency management people or it is a combination well uh, in in our organization uh, we're we're an older organization basically Mm -hmm. it's a lot of retired people but Mm -hmm. uh, it's always encouraging to see some of those young 
uh, energetic folks uh, that can crawl under the house and pull out that insulation underneath and, and do that that, uh, that close quarters work that sometimes old bodies have difficulty doing. Absolutely. But, uh, it's a, it's a, a multi-generational group of folks that work with us. That's great. That's great. What do you want people to know about the efforts there specifically at your sites there in North Carolina? Um, specifically, what, what would you like them to know? Well, here in North Carolina, we have two kitchens that are still operational, uh, providing feeding um, food to shelters and uh, to people who have not yet been able to get back in their homes and get on their feet. We had six kitchens originally uh, in the beginning. Uh, we've since closed four of those, and three of those were staffed by by uh, state conventions from out of state, from outside of North Carolina, from Oklahoma and Arkansas and Virginia and uh, Missouri and Texas. Uh, so it's it's been great from that standpoint. I think the main thing, if, if I could say something to the folks who are the survivors mm. that are the, the folks that we really come to minister to, Absolutely. I, I'd want them to know we're here because God loves you. And that's the most important message we could give you. We're here to help, but we do it because God loves you. And we know that because he, he has shown us his love. And that's what's changed our focus to, from self-centeredness to other-centeredness. Absolutely. I cannot think of a better way to end this segment um, than what you just said. That is fantastic. People need to know that they're loved. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, showing that and being those hands and feet and equipping the hands and feet uh, while you're there. Uh, honored to know you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, and I hope that, uh, that, that, you know, the work, I want the work to get done, but I hope that people like you will continue uh, going on because we need we need that and people need to hear the message that you just shared just then so thanks a lot uh for for spending time with me today i appreciate it it's my privilege thank you for the opportunity thanks for listening to the leader bite podcast bite-sized conversations about leadership learning and life keep the conversation going at chestergo.com or on your favorite social media because leadership is a conversation worth having